0: When we approach them from a place of curiosity and a place of compassion, well, then we can meet those same goals with more ease and with more self-confidence and less shame than when we when we enter into that discipline mindset where it's like, well if I me- if I mess up on Monday, then I'm a failure on Tuesday whereas we're these like living breathing dynamic beings who have passions and flaws and beautiful intricacies that, deserve to be heard and listened to and valued
1: you're listening to make some noise podcast episode number 468 with guest sarah jane case welcome to make some noise podcast your guide for strategies tools and insight to empower yourself Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I will not sing for you. Sometimes I am in such a good mood, I feel like it, and I've spent the entire morning singing to my dog, but I won't do that for you, I I won't. But I will tell you that registration closes on August 19th, 2022, in case you're listening to this way into the future, for my Daring Way retreat. And we have a couple spots open, and I wanna make it quick, and I was thinking before I started recording, who Who is this for? I need to tell them if they're on the fence. If you hear yourself in any of these, then I want you to head on over to the, the info page. It's andreaowen.com slash retreat. Okay, who is this Daring Way Retreat for that I'm hosting in Asheville, North Carolina in September? It's for anyone who struggles with what to do with all of this information that you hear on the podcast. I mean, we're not gonna go over all of the information that you've heard on 400 and something episodes. <laughs> but we are going to go over a little bit of it, okay? It's for anyone who loves Brené Brown's work and you like her as a person and and that you also like me. You don't have to love me. You can if you want. But just that you like me. I figured you do if you listen to this podcast. All right, number 3. It's for anyone who would like a process of how to implement work that they learn you know, at retreats and things like that. When you go home, it's a it's a process that I'm going to teach you. Number four, for anyone who struggles to open up and be vulnerable, I'm not going to force you into it, but it's sort of like baby steps in a place that I have curated with a bunch of other amazing women with you, okay? And then the last, number five, the Daring Way Retreat is for anyone who needs a freaking break from their life. Honestly, who doesn't? You don't have to cook when you're there. I'm having it catered. And even if you have dietary restrictions, come on over. We got you covered. You don't have to make your bed if you don't want to. You don't have to get anybody a snack except yourself. You don't have to answer anybody's major inquiries via email from your boss or your coworkers. You don't have to do any of that. It's a nice little break. Beautiful scenery, beautiful house, amazing food, amazing people, amazing work. AndreaOwen.com slash retreat. Registration closes soon, y'all. Okay, I have an amazing podcast episode per usual, for you today. I was on Sarah Jane's podcast and I liked her so much. I said, you need to come and meet my people. You need to come and tell them about your work. So that's what we're doing. It is, we're still in the spirituality slash creativity and I just wanted to give you a mishmash of all these different topics as they pertain to spirituality and creativity. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Sarah Jane Case is an author, podcaster, and speaker based out of, coincidentally, Asheville, North Carolina. She works with the Enneagram to help people find a creative balance between self-care and productivity so they feel great about how they spend their time. So without further ado, here is Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk about the Enneagram, but and we're going to talk about other topics as well. But before we actually jump into any of those questions, I, I've had a couple of guests on before that have talked about it. I haven't had anyone come on and just kind of give a brief overview of all nine types. So for people who have never taken the test before or maybe took it a long time ago and forgot what type they are, can you kind of kind of walk us through just like a general, here's a description of the nine
0: types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like to think of the types as who we thought we had to be our whole lives. So it's kind of like this character we thought we had to play. Oh. And so I will kind of give you the brief, like this is what you think you have to be based off of the number. So for type ones, they believe they have to be morally perfect. Type twos believe they have to be lovable or likable. Type threes believe they have to be successful. Type fours believe they have to find their significance Type 5s believe they have to be informed. Type 6s believe they have to be loyal and skeptical and careful and stable and safe. And type 7s believe they have to be satisfied. Type 8s believe they have to be strong, um, That only the strong survive. And type 9s believe they have to be easy to get along with. Oh my gosh, I've never heard it explained that way. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it helps me a lot with my Enneagram work to consider... That oh, I thought I had to be this. Like Mm-mm. I thought my whole life I had to be this, and so that doesn't mean that it's not sometimes a good thing. Yeah, but I don't have to be it all the time. I can be other things.
1: And and so well, it's funny. My husband has never taken the test, and mm-hmm. I just he just you know, nothing against it. He just <laughs> I keep forgetting to like have him sit down because it's you know it's like totally two questions or something. It's not just like a ten a ten question quiz on BuzzFeed or something, but. You said the six was the one who needs to be, what was it? Like safe, secure, prepared.
0: Yeah. They're the ones I gave like all the words to loyal, but skeptical and safe and supported. That is Mr. Jason Owen right there. Okay. (laughs) So now I know
1: what he is. And I know it's hard to, you know, and you can't identify exactly just based on that short description. And I'm sure there's people listening who saw parts of themselves in a handful of them. So when people get the results of the test, is it usually like one stands out and like hands down, that's you, or is it a combination? How do the point how does the point system work?
0: Yeah. so sometimes when you take the test, it's it's pretty common to mistype on the test because it's like forty to fifty percent accurate generally. oftentimes because we're not always aware of our own motivations. And so, um when you get the test, I highly recommend maybe the top three answers that you get. you read the descriptions um what on whatever website you're taking your test on. And when you read the description, you're looking for a sensation of like, someone has followed me around my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like who is watching me and documenting what I've done. And I will tell you, if I had taken this advice, (laughs) I would have known my type the day I took the test. Um, When I took the test, I got a type two. I read my husband's result, which was type seven. And I thought, who read my journals and wrote them down? And then continued to believe I was a type two and try and figure out um, when I realized I wasn't a type two, it took me like two years to come back to type seven. So if you have that sensation of like, wow, this thing really seems to know me intimately, that's your type. Okay. 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 Cause I I remember, I think I've mentioned
1: this. We had someone else on the show oh, oh, at least a year ago, I think. And I've taken the Enneagram three times. And the first two times I was a clear, like eight was the winner as like my, you know, that was my type. But then when I took it, I think in 2020 or 2021, I tied with seven, which was interesting to me. So I'm like Mm -hmm. even seven and eight, which seven's always been like my, my second one. That's like, what is it? The enthusiast? Yeah. What is it? Enthusiast, enthusiast. Thank you. I was going to say the enthusiasmist, and I'm like, that's not the right word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. We're getting creative.
1: <laughs> the enthusiast, yes. Um, and and eight, and I was sort of joking with someone, and I said, I think maybe just because I've gotten older and I'm just more tired, that that's why eight has like I've scaled back on the eight, which is um, what are we, the challenger? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a little tired. i I just want to have a good time now. <laughs> I just want to have a good time and not be so strong and challenging. Uh, and also, the what was really strong was um, the three. What is that the
0: the achiever? Yeah, and what's interesting about that is that those are all three the assertive types. They're all action oriented, future oriented. So I didn't know no matter that. what type you know was your dominant, you're action oriented.
1: That's interesting. I I have a good feeling there's a decent amount of threes that are listening to this because I have a lot of high achieving women in in my Mm -hmm. community. Well, I I think you've kind of explained it a little bit, but why is it important? Why do you feel in your professional opinion that it's important to know your type?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think when we understand our Enneagram type, we're able to understand where we're overworking in our life. So um, when we think about these high achieving women, you think about how you know, we're used to striving. Striving Mm -hmm. is easy. Like that comes naturally to us. So when we're trying to undo this like striving mentality or the sense of like, I have to constantly be doing and doing, um, understanding like sometimes our strength is the opposite, is the exact other end of the spectrum to the things that are causing us to suffer. So um, yes, high achievers are amazing at getting things done. They're amazing at being efficient. They're amazing at like looking for networking opportunities. And at the same time, they don't always listen to their heart. They don't always listen to how they feel. They might ignore their bodily needs, mm-hmm. um, all in sacrifice for that end goal. But then when they get the goal, right, they might recognize at that moment it doesn't feel the way I thought it would feel. I thought I would feel better when I got here. And so a lot of times, you know, it can come back to what if we focus on how I feel and setting goals based off of that versus setting goals based off of what I want to achieve. So, and you know, every single number is going to have its own version of that. So that's really specific to threes. Uh, But in general, right, it's like that strength that we have, it helps us to recognize it and then also recognize the shadow side of it. Wow. It's it's so interesting to me like the whole Enneagram
1: fascinates me and how people use it in so many different aspects of their life you know in their spirituality with their productivity with their their goals and their relationships and i, I every time i talk to someone who's an expert in it I, it seems they seem to open up another door around it that i have I've never heard of before well how do you use enneagram in in your work so specifically how can Enneagram encourage growth through, you know, what you say, like curiosity and compassion versus discipline and restriction.
0: Yes. So, and it's like one of yeah. your favorite topics. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, you know, I think for a long time we've been trained to approach growth through this like kind of rigid disciplinarian mindset of like just, you know, that Nike phrase, like just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of wake up every day and we're like, I'm just gonna do it. And <laughs> instead of really Looking at the data um, of what's not working for us, what's kind of preventing us from doing the things we want to be doing, and um, where we're, you know, kind of just having a hard time, right? And so if we can approach things with curiosity and ask ourselves better questions, which I think the Enneagram helps us to do, then we can get to our results in a more gentle fashion and in a way that does less harm to ourselves over the long term. And so I'll talk about my type when I think about this. And you know, I'm a type seven. Type sevens, we're amazing at coming up with ideas. We're amazing at starting projects. Um, We're great to have in a brainstorming room. We are good with people. We pick up on content really fast, but we give up more quickly. We're more likely to move on to the next thing when we're really excited about something else. Um, When things are hard, we wonder if we've like ruined our lives you know like like a bad day feels like oh no like this is a bad life um so i've learned to really harness those skills to say okay i'm really good at starting things who can i get in my team to finish them and um where am i limiting my access to success because i've am uncomfortable with discomfort because when we remember what I think I have to be is satisfied, then I can remember I get to be more than that. I'm allowed to be unsatisfied. It's okay for me to have a moment that doesn't feel perfect to me and I can breathe through that and get on to the next day. So a, a practical solution for this when I kind of look at the data is Short term deadlines. So, meaning I commit to following through with this project for six months. No matter how it feels in that six months, I will continue to go. And then at the end of that six months, I can reevaluate from a non emotional place. Now, I say that and I want to say eights have the opposite problem, right? Eights, you will push yourselves past your limitations, believing you have no limits. And um, go, you know, follow through with a project and to your own detriment. And mm-hmm. so you have kind of the opposite need in terms of getting curious. It's where am I restricting my access to care?
1: All day, every day. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just side note, it's like kind of a combination. It really depends on the project. Sometimes I will I will push through, mm-hmm. especially if it's a competition involved or if I'm like trying yeah. to prove it to someone else, which is dumb. I, <laughs> I've come a long way <laughs> from that mm-hmm. person. But also I sort of laughed when you said, you know, sevens have were great starters, but poor follow through. I have really poor follow through. And thank goodness I've gotten to a place in my career where I have an amazing team that knows this about me and <laughs> we'll always like right. are you sure you want to start that idea like here's all the work involved <laughs> and mm-hmm. i'm like never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's it's good to know i mean even if nothing else your personality and how you work
0: well you said you have a 7 you probably have a 7 wing i have an 8 wing so sometimes i'm really good at follow through um so those two things kind of come together and create a its own little recipe yeah
1: and it's interesting i think it, it and maybe, you know, you tell me like, I I think sometimes it just depends. It depends on the thing. If it's something Mm -hmm. that I love doing, then I will take control of it. I will follow through and it's, and it's going to be a damn good time. In my former Mm -hmm. family, I was always in charge of parties. And uh, I know no one's probably surprised about that. And like the decor and the games and the music. And like, as long as it, it was a lot of work and research involved and all those things, but as long as it involved people having a good time and myself, then I will follow through. I will be a great team leader. I should have been, I mean, if this whole life coaching and author thing doesn't work out, I would be a great, not like an event planner, a party planner, but like, um, a party planner slash MC. Like that's, yeah. that's what I would be really good at is getting people like on the dance floor. And, um, Tiffany Haddish did that by the way, like oh, she yeah. would get, ha- people get paid to do that. You get paid yes. to like pump up the crowd. Anyway, I digress, <laughs> but you but were like, talking uh, reevaluating our entire life plan. I right? know. I know. Sorry, everybody got a little <laughs> off track there, but I, I, you mentioned, we talked a little bit about discipline and I'm curious what you think about this because I remember I worked with a client a few years ago and she was, we were doing her values and she said that discipline was one of her values and she had sort of gotten off track with her workout regimen and previously was like um, a fitness instructor and in that whole world. And, and just my spidey senses kind of went off and so i just start to mm-hmm. ask questions i don't I, I don't make assumptions i ask a lot of questions and as it turned out that was something that she put a value on because she thought that people that that would bring her credibility that that would bring yeah. her accolades and applause like oh look how hard you work you're so mm-hmm. disciplined with your diet and your exercise and and all of these things and so it's interesting that and this is you know maybe indirectly related to the enneagram I think just and maybe we're opening up a can of worms here with,
0: with oh, I'm talking here. about
1: discipline and living in a capitalistic culture and society. Yeah. And I think I think for women particularly, we are valued for our productivity. Mm-hmm. We are valued like the more we can get things done, whether it's in our career, whether we are mothers, whether it's within, you know, our teams at work or whatever. Just side note for anyone who's feeling like. They need to be more disciplined.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe what you need is rest.
0: <laughs> yes. And, you know, I think our society loves a disciplined woman because they love mm-hmm. to control women, mm. right? So as long as we feel ashamed of letting ourselves enjoy life right. <laughs> and feeling free and being wild and taking risks and putting ourselves out there, we are we're staying as small as physically possible emotionally possible, mentally possible, we're keeping ourselves in these like really tight constraints. That's very convenient for the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if we approach ourselves with compassion and release shame and we can work toward these things that we want, it doesn't mean we don't have goals. We don't have high expectations of ourselves or even not even high expectations, but just ambitions. Right. When we approach them from a place of curiosity and a place of compassion, well, then we can meet those same goals with more ease and with more self-confidence and less shame than when we when we enter into that discipline mindset where it's like, well, if i me- if I mess up on Monday, then I'm a failure on Tuesday, and I have to overcompensate and I have to continue to restrict and restrict and restrict until, who I am in the core of my being no longer exists. And I'm now just like a list of things that I failed or succeeded at. Um, Whereas we're these like living, breathing, dynamic beings who have passions and flaws and beautiful intricacies that deserve to be heard and listened to and valued.
1: I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I've been in therapy on and off for 30 years, you guys, 30 years. I look at it like maintenance, just like brushing and flossing my teeth to take care of them. I go to therapy to take care of my mental health. I mean, how well would you take care of your car? Can you imagine if you had the same car your entire life? (laughs) You You would have to do a lot of maintenance. And that's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them the same way? How we take care of our minds affects the way we experience life. So it's important to commit time and care to your mental health. In my experience with therapy, when I talk things out with my therapist, most of the time I come to my own conclusions. And I love when therapists to point out my blind spots or ask questions I've never thought to ask myself that expand my perspective and also helps in my healing. BetterHelp Therapy is online and they offer phone, video, and live chat-only therapy sessions. So if you don't feel like seeing anyone on camera, you don't have to. Another great thing about BetterHelp is that it's much more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours so you don't have to wait several days and the email tennis and all of that stuff. So our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com kickass. That's betterhelp.com slash kickass. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. So if you follow me on Instagram, you might remember I posted a handful of months ago that I was having some health issues, and one of the major symptoms was sluggishness. I was dragging ass. And a friend of mine had told me about AG1, and I was kind of skeptical, to be honest with you at first. And so I decided to start drinking it every day. As an experiment, I'm like, okay, let's see what you got. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. So I have been on AG1 every day for several months now. And here's some things that I love about it. First and foremost, I don't have that afternoon crash and just have a lot more energy than I used to have. Second thing is, it tastes really good. You'd be surprised. It has a mild, sweet taste, and I love it on ice. Third thing is that your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in when we don't feel like we have as much sunlight as we should. Vitamin D was an immense game changer for me. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free... One year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/slash noise. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash noise to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Talk to us about ways that women can invoke rest when they feel like they need to go, go, go. Because I I feel like that bridge. Is for many a giant uphill battle of okay, but I still have all these things to do and they need to get done. And you're telling me I need to rest. And then like laughter ensues. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about more about that?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the example I give in my book is um a type nine. So one of the words that gets put onto type nines a lot is lazy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I am not comfortable with that language. (laughs) I much prefer to like, let's get into this. So when we look at it through the path of discipline, it looks like I watch more TV than I would like to, which means I'm lazy. I should wake up at 5 a.m. tomorrow and go work out. If I were driven, then that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. So then the next morning when that alarm goes off, they hit snooze and they miss their workout. And that reinforces the concept of like, I'm so lazy. It says to me like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm so lazy. Whereas the path of curiosity goes, I watch more TV than I would like to. Why do I watch TV? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm too tired to do anything else. Well, why am I so tired? I spent all day thinking about what others needed and then trying to make them happy. So then we can go, well, what would it feel like if tomorrow I did my best to not give all of my energy away to other people? So then we're actually getting into the core of like, where's this lack of energy coming from? Not I'm bad, I'm lazy. Right.
1: So you're actually looking at the root of the problem
0: mm-hmm.
1: versus thinking that you are the problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And trying to like control ourselves enough to make it go away.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I think I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast before. So apologies, everyone, if you've heard me talk about this, but I I was taking a class on a few, a few different topics and I, there was four different topics on like habits and productivity and happiness and and it was all about the brain science which i love to nerd out nerd out on that it's so interesting to me but the teacher was And he was a man and and, um, he was, you know, he was heterosexual. He was married to a woman and they had a couple kids. And so I'm trying to be forgiving, but he was talking about the research has shown that the most brain draining activity, like the mental thing that we do that causes our battery, you know, quote unquote, to drain so quickly is decision-making, And the, um, the constant organizing of tasks and people, and (laughs) it's basically the thing that that women tend to do the most of. And I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, you're talking about us. And I actually like sent him an email and I'm like, I think it would be so great if you just acknowledged (laughs) that this is typically a, um, not that men don't struggle with that too, but for women that, that mental load is, is rough sometimes. And so mm-hmm. I just want to, wanted to acknowledge that, that I think we really underestimate how exhausting that really is. Yeah. And that many times our exhaustion can manifest as being short with people, being mm-hmm. impatient with our children or our coworkers or our friends. <sighs>
0: Yeah. Raise his hand
1: and experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, this, this way that we're trained to focus on management of the household and then adding on our career to that, um, We're going to take nine different approaches to that, right? Like when we think about the Enneagram, we're all going to do it for nine different reasons. You know, as a seven, I'm scared that I'm not going to have the most satisfying, beautiful life that I could possibly imagine for myself. And so if I slack, then I'm going to live an unsatisfied lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Whereas a one is going to think there's like a moral aspect to it. Like I'm morally failing at this. Yeah, Um, Threes are going to be worried about not being seen as successful. So we have like these nine unique ways that we kind of latch on to obligations that are handed to us by uh, the patriarchal society. Um, And yeah, it's exhausting.
1: I feel like eights want to do all of the things because they don't want to hand over control because somebody else is going to not do it as well as they do. Is that
0: fair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, (laughs) the messages we send to eights is like, you can't be weak. You can't ask for help because that would make you weak. And therefore you're not strong, which means you're not doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. You're You're not playing the role we expect Mm -hmm. you to play. Right. Exactly. Well,
1: can you talk to us about practical um, practical things that someone could do to have like a loving and tender relationship with themselves?
0: Oh, yes. I would love to. Um, the first thing I think about is just asking yourself more questions instead of telling yourself stories. So I think a lot of times... We're going to get caught up usually when it comes to our feelings. We have kind of one or two camps. We're either going to believe everything that our feelings have to tell us, meaning if I'm lonely, then everyone must hate me and I must be destined to be alone forever. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to invalidate our feelings to the degree that we ignore them or we try to numb them or we try to run away from them. And we say, I'm feeling lonely. Buck up, kiddo. Like, get it together you know, make yourself happy or figure a way out of the situation. Um, And the hope that I would have by kind of creating a space where you ask yourself more questions is that your feelings have a place at the table, right? Your feelings get to be felt, but they don't control the way that you engage. So your feelings aren't facts, right? The story that your feelings are telling you are not facts, but they are information as to what you want, where you're hurting, where you've been hurt before. And so you can feel them and then we can move on from there without listening to the stories they're telling us. So I think that's the first one, right? Is like removing the stories, but letting yourself feel your feelings. And I think doing that through great question asking, meaning like, why am I doing this thing? What need am I trying to meet here? Um, Where did I get hurt here before? You know, I think a lot of times we're scared to, or we don't even just take the time. Honestly, I think we're too busy in our minds. Do you think we're worth that time to ask those questions? Um, And if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to take the time, then maybe it's time for you to hire a coach or a therapist to start that conversation with you so that you can continue that conversation with yourself.
1: Um, I appreciate you acknowledging that. I just want to pause right there because I think that a, it's a very real thing that, that you know, there are single parents out there. There are people who um, maybe aren't parents, but you don't have your family around you or you've moved to a new place and you just don't have the support system mm-hmm. local to you. And it, it's a very real thing to feel so overwhelmed. And then when come someone comes and says, like, you need to nurture your relationship with yourself, you need to, to mm-hmm. rest more, it can be enraging. And yeah. I just, I want to acknowledge that yeah. and, you know, what what you said, that it, that the first place you might want to go, hopefully they have the the resources to be able to do that is with a therapist or a counselor to kind of just help them with the emotional aspect of things before they walk into the practical side of things.
0: Mm-hmm. I just and wanted to honestly, insert that. So please continue. Yeah, no. And I honestly, even with this I, in my book, I talk about the honest method and I, I think that's a good place like, to start here with honoring your strengths. Sometimes that's, for some people, going to be the hardest and for mm-hmm. others, the easiest. But getting to a point where you generally appreciate what you bring to the table so when we're looking at your enneagram type, um let's start with those strengths. Start with the part of the type that you're like, yes, I bring this to the table. I am a good person. I am a loving. I am high achieving. I am interesting and original. You know, I'm intelligent and informed. I'm loyal. I'm fun. I'm strong. I'm good to be around. Like Start there. Build a safety, fo- safe foundation before you even get into these like shadow sides, blind spots, um, your vices, things that aren't serving you. Let's appreciate yourself first, so that mm-hmm. there's a safe place. Because if you think about it in terms of like you this is a relationship. You are in relationship to yourself. So if I were in a relationship to another person and they were looking at me and like pointing out all my blind spots and <laughs> being mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I, you need to Yikes. work on this. You need to fix this. You need to." you know, get it together without ever saying, look at how much you're bringing to the table. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here. Well, that's going to feel bad. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) it's kind of obviously not serving you. So yes, start with your strengths and then let's get into, you know, where are things not working?
1: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Okay. I wanted to ask you about, um, about your book and tell us the name of it.
0: It's the honest Enneagram
1: that's what I thought. And I, I was like, it's either the honest Enneagram or the honest method. And I'm so sorry. I don't have it written down. Like I oh, said, my brain okay. is not, my brain is not screwed on today. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, thanks for being uh, flexible here. Well, you, in the book, you talk about a, a lot of different things and you have all these, um, you know, these different methods and, and teachings. And one of them is you encourage people to explore your contribution to relationships. So, you, you know, you just mm-hmm. talked about, exploring your contribution to, you know, just to the, to the world, your strengths, if you will. So how, how would somebody start with that? Especially if they've had maybe a string of relationships that, that hasn't worked out. Cause I know from personal experience, I had two back-to-back horrible relationships that fell apart. And I walked out of the second one thinking I am bad at relationships. I am hard to be attached to. I'm just so difficult. You know, all the complaints that my exes had about me have to be true or else Mm -hmm. I would have been able to work this out. So where does, Mm -hmm. where does someone go from there to explore their contribution to relationships?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think really what I encourage people to do is to focus on themselves in relationship because, um, the question I get the most often is how do I get my type blank partner to blank? So how do I get my type one partner to have more fun with me? Um, you know, this question around like, how do I change the person that I'm in a relationship Uh, with? uh And that's not, to me, that's not the goal. Right. So like all of those partners who, who made you feel like you were too much, um, Thank God you're not with those people, right? right. Like, Wrong
1: partners. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and I think that that's like ultimately the message is like that sensation that we want to change other people is just a fruitless conversation um, because our job to in the, with the people in our lives is to love them and to support them and to be a part of them. That doesn't mean we don't have boundaries. It doesn't mean we don't have expectations. Um, but we're going to get to those boundaries and those expectations through exploring our contribution. What am I bringing to the table? What can I truly control? Um, What, what are my unmet expectations that I'm not communicating? Because again, we have these nine ways of being um, these very specific worldviews of what we think being a person is supposed to be. And I think that's, that's one of the beauties of the Enneagram, right? Is that we've been swimming in this water, right? Like I was Mm -hmm. a seven my whole life, you know, and I thought, well, everybody just wants to be happy all the time. Everybody's seeking satisfaction constantly. So when someone was being pessimistic or someone was having a really hard time, I felt like they were wallowing. Like, well, why are you sitting in it? Like, you need to Come on, get it together. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, when in reality, like, oh yeah, there's like a, wh- a whole way of being. And actually I could stand to sit in it for a minute. And they're sitting over here offering me space to sit in it because they're able to wallow in it. Um, so it really opens us up to appreciating other people, and really owning what am I bringing to the table, both good and and not always helpful.
1: Hmm. Okay, I love that. Well, and I want to ask—just I'm just curious about this. Uh, where did the enneagram come from? Didn't someone just like dream it or something, and came up with it? Or am I am I mistaking that for a different personality test?
0: <laughs> no, I think someone. I think Claudio Naranjo says that he. Um, I mean that channeling's not the right word but that he like free it was like free writing essentially okay and it came out through that however um there are earlier teachers so George Gurdjieff and um Oscar Ichazo both of those people came first and um Claudio Naranjo's kind of version of the enneagram is kind of a morphing of their two earlier editions from from decades ago okay
1: and where do you recommend people if they haven't taken it already, like, do you have a link on your site or or the test there, or do you recommend that they go to a specific website to take the the real test?
0: You know, I should have a test, but the truth is that I don't think tests are helpful um, because it's so easy to mistype. So, I really just encourage you to read the type descriptions. Um, You can do that in my book, The Honest Enneagram, or you can do that on a website like the enneagraminstitute.com. They have great descriptions. um, And when you read it, you'll you'll know. Mm -hmm.
1: So talk to me again about when people take the test that they often mistype. How does that happen? Like as they're answering the questions, what's happening?
0: Well, because the test is based off of motivation and Mm -hmm. kind of what you think you're supposed to be. So It'll ask things like, do you think it's important to be helpful? And almost every woman is going to be like, yes. <laughs>
1: <Right>? um, <laughs> Actually, I don't and, know. If I would answer that kind of neutral. I'm like, eh, uh-huh, sometimes, uh-huh. but not all the time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. And I think like there are some types that like, I think threes and eights specifically tend to be pretty clear. Like um, don't mistype as often just because you're such strong characters, but um, yeah, but it's pretty common to mistype just because you don't always know your motivation. And sometimes the questions are pretty vague, and we're like, uh-huh. Yeah, I think a good person would say this. Um, we might answer on who we think we are supposed to be rather than who we are. So
1: that's what I talk about when I'm talking to people about values, is that it's not because if you read this long list of values and attributes and virtues. And all of them seem important. Like, Oh yeah. yes, I should be a courageous person, a generous person. I should value giving back and being of service. And and like, quite personally, that's not one of mine. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like I, Same. I do a little bit, but it's not my top. It's not in my top three for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be, easy to feel like someone's going to judge me for, mm-hmm. for what my Enneagram type is or what my values are. And I, I could see how that would happen. And I've also, I've also thought about this and when it comes to any personality tests is it doesn't take into consideration the nuance of things like, Childhood trauma and Mm -hmm. you know, any kind of like ability or disability or class, rate, like all of all of Mm -hmm. these things, I think can matter to how you see the world and how you react to the world and your behavior. And Mm -hmm. I just think that human beings are incredibly complex.
0: Yeah. And there's this fun thing called overlays in the Enneagram, where if you're raised in a strong culture, whether that's a religion or a race or um A you know, the United States is a culture, maybe your family has a strong culture that you're gonna resemble those types. So I grew up Southern Baptist, a woman in a Southern Baptist church. So like I typed as a two because um they're the divisors, right? Yeah, that's a Mm -hmm. pretty strong Christian overlay. Uh but my dominant type is is a sevens. That's so
1: fascinating. Okay. Well tell everyone where we'll put, definitely put a link to your site and your socials and your book in the show notes, but where do you want people to go to learn more about you and to follow you online?
0: Yeah. So I actually have a podcast. It goes five days a week, every single day. You do. And I've been on it. Yes, and Andrew's has been on it, so you guys can come check it out. Um, it's Enneagram and Coffee on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, that's like the most informational place that I would check out or come hang out with me on Instagram and Sarah Jane Case on Instagram now.
1: Sarah Jane Case on Instagram. You have you do podcasts five days a week? I do five days a week. I know. Oh my gosh, you are a type two.
0: That's some, <laughs> that's some like seven seven behavior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's have fun. And I am going to please everyone by giving you so many (laughs) podcasts.
1: I I love this conversation and I love how it's slightly different when I talk to different Enneagram experts and it's just, it's such a, it's such a fun thing, I think. And everyone, thank you so much for being here. I value your time so much. Sarah Jane, thank you for being here. Is there anything that we missed that you want to make sure that we cover before we say goodbye?
0: Oh, thank you. Um, No, I feel great. Thank you, you so complete? much for having me. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. I just wanted to make sure. And everyone listening, remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. And just a quick reminder that if your company needs a speaker or a trainer, I might be the right person for you. I speak and do keynotes on confidence and resilience for mixed audiences, as well as do trainings on The Daring Way, which is the methodology based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. So if you think it might be a good fit, hit me up at support at andreaowen.com or head over to my speaking page, andreaowen.com slash speaking.